don't know if you are familiar with the term dark horse, but it's a, it's a sports analogy. Imagine that, a sports analogy at Restore Church. Um, a dark horse is, the definition is a candidate or a competitor whom little is known about, but who unexpected, unexpectedly succeeds or wins. You might think of an underdog or an upset, but we're going to call it a dark horse. I'm from Kentucky. Uh, don't hold that against me, um, but, I, but I am. And, and Kentucky's known for two things, um, basketball and horses. Yeah, the Kentucky Derby. Um, my, my grandfather, my mom's dad, he, is, we call him Papa Jim. Anybody else do Papa and Mama? All right, yeah. So my Papa Jim, uh, man, he, he, was, uh, he was a Kentucky guy. And he took on the whole basketball thing. He loved basketball, but you know what he really loved was horse racing. I think what he really liked more than the horse racing was to go down the Turfway Park in Florence and put some money down on the horses. I would go with him, and I don't think back then you were allowed to do that. You're definitely not now, but I did anyway. So he, he would come in there, and I think my grandpa was a part of the mafia. I'm pretty sure of that. So no one was messing with him anyway. Uh, and, you know, I just kind of walked him with my shoulders up. Anyway, uh, so we, we would go to horse, and there, there are horses racing all over the TVs. Uh, and you could put in money and bet on these horses that really you knew very little or nothing about. So, you know, any chance I got to hung, hang out with my Pablo Jim, I did. But one thing, he would always try, even when I was six, seven, or eight, he would always try to teach me about gambling. I was like, is this what you want to pass on? He passed on a lot of good one-liners, uh, character, work ethic, um, and gambling tips. One of the gambling tips that I do remember, though, and you can pass this on as a part of your legacy, is this. Never go all in unless one of three things happens. Never go all in on any horse, any card game, dark horse, favorite, whatever. Never go all in unless, number one, you have no other choice. It's all you've got left. You push all your chips to the middle. Put all your dollars down. Number two, unless you can't be beat, right? I mean, you get aces in the hole, you know what I'm talking about. You're going you're gonna to try to go all in because your cards cannot be beat. Or number three, you know the opponent can't beat you. And when you know the opponent cannot win, based on what they have, not based on what you have, it's a safe bet. Go all in. Have you ever gone all in? You ever had a defining moment in your life where it's like, you may have used the phrase now or never. You might have even said, I'm going all in, all chips to the middle. I hope you said that on your wedding day. I hope that was an all-in day, or maybe it was a decision to relocate and begin a new life. Maybe it was a decision that you were going to cut off some relationships so that you could pursue Jesus. You were all in. Maybe it was a medical decision for you or for a family member, and you decided to go all in. At some point in our lives, we all come to points where we have to push the chips to the middle of the table, where we all have to decide it's now or never, 
And what, what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning with this new series, it, it's a vision series for Restored Church. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I, I know stuff comes up over the next two weeks. Next Saturday is Oktoberfest, and we're going to be out there having a party. And then we just use Oktoberfest Festival to have a Restored Church party. And it is so much fun. So come hang out with us. Sign up to volunteer. It's a great time. But we're going to be out there from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. We're going to come in on Sunday morning, set all this stuff up. We're going to look just as tired as we do now. And hopefully I, I will sound a little, I feel so sorry for you that you have to listen to my voice right now. But, you know, it's cold season. But, um, uh, uh, what was I, where was I going with that? I'm sick. Okay. Um. Perhaps you've never had an all-in moment as important as the one we're going to talk about today. And so uh, if you just hold on. Oh, yeah, vision series. Next week and the next week after. I know there are a lot of things that come up, uh, but if you can stick with us for two more weeks, we're going to talk about where Restore Church is headed and how we're going to get there, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. But the foundation of, of where we are as a church we said there are gonna be, there's going to be one passage that we're going to preach one time every year, and this is it. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to my favorite passage about the church, Matthew chapter 16. If you have the Restore Church app, you can follow along there, or you can, uh, like, if you pull up our app, there's a Bible tab. You can search it there. You can click on the bulletin section, and some notes are there. Um, Matthew chapter 16. If you need a Bible, if you'd like to have a Bible, uh, we have some volunteers that will pass one out. Nicole, who is an encounter youth leader, would love to pass one out for you. Uh, so just flip your hand up real quick and she'll bring one to you. And we're in Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read through this whole passage together and then we'll go back and dissect it. Verse 13 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man, or uh, he said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus says, but what about you? Who, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or maybe your, past, your Bible says the gates of hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now, maybe you've been with Restore Church from the very beginning. This is going to be your third time hearing us preach through this, and man, it should fire you up. Uh, this is a passage where where Restore Church kind of laid the groundwork, where we, we, put, we started to build the bricks. Well, we don't have bricks, but we started to build the, the pillars of our church based on this passage. Now, you've been around church for a long time, and man, you're so sick of hearing about this passage. No, 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 man, this should bring life and a fire in your gut every time you hear it. Maybe you've never heard this passage before. And you, you can see this conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Uh, let's talk about it a little bit. Remember the first reason that you would go all in? 
Remember, my pal Bob Jim will teach you, don't ever go all in unless one of three things happen. And the first thing is, you have no other choice. Like, it's all you have left. Um, and so you go all in. We see, we see in this passage, Jesus talks to the disciples, but Peter kind of steps to the forefront. Peter's life is headed toward normalcy, mediocrity. Maybe you sympathize with Peter. You sit at home and wonder, man, is there more than just this nine to five? You, you wonder if, uh, is, 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 are, are these walls and, and this, this roof all there is to this life? Is it, uh, you look at your bank account uh, and you think, man, is this all there is? I mean, Peter is headed toward a life of fishing every day. Hey, that's not that bad. I can live with that life. Fishing every day for a living, I would not be good at that. Going to the temple, he's going to come in and say some prayers, make the occasional sacrifice, and then one day he'll die and, and meet God. I mean, that's the Jewish life. That's exactly what Peter is headed toward. But once he meets Jesus at the very beginning of the book of John, his life changes completely. Listen, when you meet Jesus, Jesus changes everything. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus changes everything, not some things, and not just the things we want to change. Jesus changes everything. And Peter quickly learns that there's something more to this Jesus uh, than everyone else is saying. There's something quite different about this, this man. Could he really be the son of man? Now, let, let's talk about that phrase for a minute, the, the son of man. All of the Old Testament hinges on this question of who is the son of man. Um, books probably were written. I mean, they probably had temple podcasts going about who the Son of Man is. Theologians, honestly, would, would have debates. Uh, the intellect, the, maybe when you read in Acts, you'll see when they come together in Athens and have a debate with Paul. That, that was pretty common. And this discussion of who the Son of Man is, it, it's a normal discussion. Jesus is not leading the disciples on the beginning of a pop quiz. I mean, you might see Jesus, like, leading a trail of questions to prove a point, and he does. But this isn't the beginning of a, ha-ha, I gotcha. Jesus is beginning a normal conversation, like a deep conversation that Jews would have. Who is the Son of Man? I mean, the book of Daniel talks about the Son of Man riding in on clouds. Don't you want to know who that is? Like, all the Jews are anticipating the Son of Man coming back. This, this Son of Man, he, he's going to be the Son of God. He's going to be the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one who in Genesis chapter 3 will crush Satan's head. And the Jews believe that this Son of Man is going to restore Israel to its kingdom, to its days of David and Solomon. So, man, they are looking for the Son of Man, and they desperately, desperately are awaiting him. And so he says, hey, who do people say the Son of Man is when they're talking about him? 
And I imagine that all the disciples have their own different opinions. Like maybe it's, it's Andrew who stands up and he says it's Elijah. Or, or, or Philip, who was boys with John the Baptist. He, might, he says, oh, some say it's John the Baptist. And, and, and maybe you have another disciple that stands up and he says Jeremiah. And then everyone else has their other opinions about who the Son of Man is. Because it matters. It matters whether God's going to come through on his promise or not of an anointed one. It matters for the Jews because they've waited for all these, history calls them the silent years. The time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They've been waiting for God to show his, his face. And so who is the Son of Man? We want to know. Jesus asked this next question, and it's so telling about the answer to this question. Jesus makes it personal. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Whoa, 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 whoa. Just as what's, you know, Jesus' custom here, he starts to teach by asking questions. He, he makes it less about them. Let me make this a little bit more personal. He makes this less about those people sitting across the room. I hope they're listening. Or man, I can't wait to share this podcast with my cousin because they really need to hear that. Jesus makes it less about all the other people and he makes it more about the person sitting in your seat. Or sitting in, in Simon's seat or, or sitting in Judas's seat. Or You see what I'm saying? He takes this theological debate and he says who's the son of man they're like well some say Elijah and John the Baptist and Jeremiah and the other prophets we don't really know and then he says but what about you and they start thinking well we just who do you say who do you say that that I am well we can tell that Jesus is trying to make a point he's trying to get something across just in the way that he asked the question who do you say that I am but of all the disciples the one that we expect to speak of he does Peter he steps up to the forefront Peter, as the questions are being posed back to back, this light goes off in Peter's, in Peter's mind as if he had just learned the strategy of a new game before everyone else catches on. Ha, I, I got it. It clicks for Peter. He realizes what Jesus just said by asking that second question. And Peter couldn't be more joyful to stand up in front of the class and shout out the answer like the student who just got it after years of struggling. Ah, I know who you are. I know exactly who you are. You are the Messiah. You're it. I mean, I mean, you're him. You're the one that God talks about. You're the one that's going to deliver us. And at this point, Peter knows he has to go all in because the first rule of going all in is when you have nothing left. And I want to ask you something. I think some of us are in that spot this morning. We've tried everything else. We've tried it all. We, we've tried searching after our career. We've tried to invest in relationships outside of, of Christ-centered ones. We, we've tried finding our way through other means. And you've tried it all. And so maybe, just maybe, you have nothing left. And it's time to push those chips all in on Jesus. 
Remember the second reason you'd go all in? Is if you win. Like you got the aces in your hand. There's no way that you can lose. Uh, one of the, the greatest um, artists of the 90s and 2000s is, is Adam Sandler. And uh, you should look him up. He, he was the star of a uh, blockbuster cinematic masterpiece called Big Daddy. And in which he plays this, like, really deadbeat dude. He's, he's a bachelor. Like, he has no responsibility. Every time he spills something, you know, remember how he cleans it up? He throws a newspaper on it. I'm like, man, that is it. I got to try that one. And so he throws newspaper on it every time. Well, all of a sudden, a little boy shows up at his door with, with all his belongings. And it's actually the son of his roommate. But his roommate's out of the country or something. I don't, I don't remember. But if they don't take this boy right now, he goes back to, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember the premise of, of that part of the story. But, and so Adam Sandler pretends to be his roommate in order to, to watch to, so they can keep this, this boy. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, I don't know if pastors are allowed to recommend Big Daddy. I guess wait for it to come on TV so they can bleep out the bad parts. And so it's so funny, man. He's like navigating through. I, wait, all the older people get that. Remember when USA would play the movies you weren't allowed to watch as a kid? And then all of a sudden the TV would just go mute. And you're like, what are they saying? Exactly. So wait for Big Daddy to come out on TV. Um, big, uh, man, it, it's really a cute movie. He protects this kid. He teaches this kid. He gets the kid a Happy Meal. And then there's this scene where the, the boy is teaching one of Adam Sandler's friends how to play a card game. And the card game is I win. And he explains the rules that you can throw down whatever card you want, but the boy says, I win. And they, they exchange cards again. And he's like, but my card is higher. And the kid said, but I win. And he's like, why do you win? He said, because I win. You play games with toddlers, you know how it goes. Peter is now on the winning team. Peter is now able to say, I win. He's picked up by the winning team. Peter has moved over from, man, I, I, I have nothing left to now being, being on the winning team. Look, you go all in when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can't be what does Matthew chapter 16 tell us? I want you to look at, if you're an underliner or highlighter or whatever you do in, in your Bible, um, I, I want you to look at, at this verse, and it's um, in, in verse 18. And, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and, and the gates of hell cannot overcome it. Um, you don't put up gates. Unless you want something, you don't want something getting in. Right? Like, like you, you put up gates to keep things out. In the first century world, you, um, they would put up gates to protect their city. You remember the story of Jericho where they marched around and the, and the walls fell. Those were also called the gates. You'll, you'll see stories of, in the Old Testament where they were waiting by the gates. The gates were for defense. And this is what fires me up, man. I, I have a competitive spirit, and, 
And, and I hope you, you can too. When, when it talks about this, this, this gate, who has their defenses up? It's hell. Hell has their defense up. And the church, capital C, not just Restore, but all of the church, should be like headstrong charging the gates of hell. Because they cannot overcome the church. They cannot withstand us. We win. The church will not lose. Listen, this is what gets me fired up and I got chills to talk about it. It will stand for eternity. One day, Restore Church will close its doors and will no longer be a church. It's a sad fact and we hope that it's 300 billion years from now, but it'll happen. The church of Jerusalem, the very first church, it doesn't exist anymore. The church at Athens that we read about in the New Testament, it doesn't exist anymore. But God's church still remains. And it still attacks the gates of hell every time we love the widow. And every time we help the homeless. And every time we cry with with someone in our our life group or, or we give out of our Uh, Not out of our excess, but we give out of sacrifice to love one another. The gates of hell start to crumble down. The church is not built on Peter. The church is built on Jesus being the foundation of everything. And I want to hear you, I want you to hear me say this. I want to be careful. Well, no, I'm never careful with how I say it because we just keep it 100 here. And so... Uh, I just I w- want to say this. There is an aspect of Restore Church that we, we, we like to, uh, we, we like excellence, okay? We, we want to do things well. No, no one should want to do things halfway, okay? So when we do worship, we, we like to do it well. When we preach sermons, I try to do them well. Uh, when we do fall festivals, man, we plan them out uh, in advance. But Restore Church is not built on a person. It's not built on, on a worship team. It's not built around a preacher. It's not built around anything other than this, that Jesus is the Son of Man. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah that saves us all. So what that means is we cannot tear down the walls of hell with clever schemes and fall picnics and Oktoberfest. Uh, serving and fundraisers. What it means is uh, we, will not, we, we won't be able to tear down the gates of hell with gimmicks or cool uh, sermon series or funny jokes. You want to know how we tear down the gates of hell? The love of Jesus and that he will save us alone and him alone. What changes for us? Or what changed for you when you went from needing to go all in to being on the winning team? I love sports, and I'm trying to keep the sports out of minimum because it's the best sports time of the year. But um, what happens when, when that mediocre athlete goes from a poor team to a good team, and now he starts to perform better than he was before? What's the difference? It's his attitude. The ad, if you show up to, to your team every day knowing you're going to lose, it's hard to perform well. But if, if you show up to play for a winning team, your attitude changes. 
And some of us need to hear this. When you accepted Christ, you are not on the losing team anymore. You are on the winning team. It's like you're on the winning team, but, but looking at the losing, or, or you go sit in the, on the bench of the losing team every now and then just so you can feel it a little. Look, you are on the winning team. And that means something. That means that when this is all over, just like Big Daddy, you win because Christ won. It doesn't matter what card gets played, you win. It doesn't matter life circumstances that are in your face right now and you can't see beyond them, you win. It doesn't matter if life itself is taken from you. Because even in that moment, you will see the reward of your winnings. You win. Listen, you win. You win because you're on Christ's team. You go all in when you know that you are on the winning team. Remember the third part? This is kind of my favorite. Um, I, I, uh, I've, back in my uh, more fit days, athletic days, I don't have an athletic piece of fat in my body. <laughs> so, uh, but back then, uh, man, I could talk some trash. I still can, I just can't back it up, so I just stop. Man, this, this part gets me. We, we, t- we um, go all in when we have nothing else, when it's our last option. We go all in when we know that we're going to win. But we also go all in when we know that our opponent cannot beat us. So now, instead of my trash talking going toward other less athletic people, it just goes toward my son when he wants to play Junior Monopoly. Man, I'm going to beat you so bad when I go around, go, and we can't even do like, Two million dollars, or just two dollars, or whatever it is, two hundred dollars. Um, you go all in when your opponent doesn't have a chance. You go all in when your when your kids come up to you and say, I "Bet I can beat you in a race." I bet I can beat you in a race. In a race, that's not a funny joke about. Um, it's when they come up to you and say, "Dad, I bet I can beat you in basketball." Good luck. But I can beat you in this or that. It's like, no, you can't. Well, what do you want to bet? Because you cannot beat me. One day he will, and I can't wait for that to happen. But it's got less to, this, this going all in is less about what I'm good at. It's less about how great you are, and it's more about how little the opponent stands a chance. You put your chips in in the middle when you feel like they're lying or, or when they're bluffing when their backs are against the wall, or maybe they don't have a lot of chips, and so you go all in. The gates, that's their best attempt. Satan's best attempt is gates. You know, but he doesn't really uh, have much threat if we're not pounding at the gates. Friends, listen, Satan can't win. He's already lost, and the game is over. 
And like that punk cousin you have that every time he loses, he throws the, the board game everywhere or whatever. He's already lost and he's throwing a tantrum and he's coming after you and your life and your family and your spouses and your health and your finances and your job and your future. He's coming after you because he's got nothing else. He's already lost. And so you know what we do? We go all in because we win. Because Christ has won. But you know, Satan's really not worried if the church continues to fight about politics. Satan is not worried if the church continues to uh, divide over small things. You know, when Satan is worried, it's when we attack the gates of hell with truth, with love, with grace. Humility, forgiveness. When we set an example of being a light in a dark place, and that is Jacksonville. You know, I, I would think that when we began two and a half years ago, we, our church, would have probably in Satan's eyes been considered a dark horse. This little church from started in a living room. We, uh, Probably didn't stand a chance at beginning. 50% of churches that begin fail in their first year. And of those 50% that make it, 50% of them don't make it to year three. So the church, our church, is a candidate for being a dark horse. The church, capital C, in our culture is a candidate for being a competitor who little is known but will succeed and win. And Restore is a candidate or competitor whom little is known, but who will succeed and we will win. Because, not from us, but because Christ is the Messiah. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to ask you to push your chips all in. We're going to ask you to make some sacrifices. and We're going to ask you to make some sacrifices with your time. Yeah, we're, we're going to ask you to make some sacrifices financially. We're going to ask you to make some sacrifices about putting some other people first and maybe getting out of your comfort zone. But I'm going to ask you to go all in on three things for the next three weeks. Can you go all in on God? I know that's easy for the pastor to say, but I mean all in. Like maybe you cut out video games for three weeks and say, I'm going to spend that time in Scripture. Or, or I'm going to spend less time... Uh, shooting or, or hunting or, or fishing, and, and I'm going to spend that time with God. Maybe you, you, you give up something else, or, or maybe you're doing nothing, and, and this is a good opportunity for you to go all in. I've given you three reasons why you should. I'm going to ask you to start thinking about going all in on Restore. Uh, I, I don't want to say a whole lot about this right now, because it's, it's this whole other sermon we're going to preach next week. It's going all in on Restore, but I do want to make one point to you real quickly. Uh, right now, Restore Church is averaging about 50 more people than we were at this time last year. That, that's great. That's great. You feel a little bit uncomfortable because you can smell your neighbor. That's good. That's why we're at two services. Here's where it's really uncomfortable for Restore Church right now, and that's in our children's ministry. Um, if you're uh, we're going to say this next week, but healthy things grow. If things aren't healthy, they don't grow. 
And our children's ministry is booming. This, these, these, these volunteers right now are sweating in these hallways not to babysit. We don't have child care. We don't have babysitting at Restore. We have disciple makers back there creating the next generation of disciples. And it's starting to get uncomfortable. But, but what, what's really hard is, is it's the same 10 people, same 12 people. Will you help us? I'm going to challenge the dads. Hey, dads, you don't have to be the teacher. You don't, you don't have to be uh, goofy or going on. But some of these teachers need the dad voice. You know what I'm saying? Hey, sit down. <laughs> you know? uh, so some teachers need that. But you know who needs it more are the kids. They need to see men who love Jesus. Can you give one week a month, one service a month to serve back there? Um, moms. Can you, can you give us one, one, one week? If you're not already serving in those, can, can you just give us one week a month? One week a month. My wife has not sat in a service in, I don't know, she sat in one last week, I think, because Kendra made her not be in the village. But my wife teaches both services every week, and she's not the only one. So we're just going to ask you, maybe start thinking about that over the next three to go all in. Here's going to be the biggest challenge for you. Go all in on God. Go all in on Restore. Would you go all in on Jacksonville? We say this all the time. Jacksonville is the greatest city in the world because we make it that. We decide we're going to love Jacksonville. We're going to love the city we're in and the people we're in. We're going to make this our home. I know you didn't want to get orders and come here um, because there are Marines everywhere. I, I get it. But what if you just decided for however long you're going to be here, you're going to love this city like crazy? What if your neighbors, the, the people who live next to you, what if they knew you and they knew about your love of Christ because of the way you, you treat them? And, and Go cut their grass this week or next week when it stops raining. What if you went all in on Jacksonville? I'm going to tell you, my family, we're all in on Jacksonville, and I know it's not, well, it is the greatest city in the world because we make it that. Go all in. Um, I was a youth minister uh, many years ago. And, uh, man, it was, it was great. I got to be goofy. I got to uh, have a lot more energy. And uh, I got to do a lot of really sketchy stuff. It was a lot of fun. Um, we did all-nighters and, and even duck pin bowling. Man, that's great. Uh, but being a youth minister is interesting because you, you get to be like the most fun person in the church and with no pressure. It's, it's really great. Um, and so, anyway, I, I was a youth minister in Virginia Beach, Chesapeake area for three or four years. And uh, one year we had a poker tournament. Now, this was interesting to me because where I grew up, gambling in church did not mix, right? Like that was... That's why the Lord flipped the tables. You know, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I got angry. So we didn't play the lottery. Uh, we didn't gamble on, on anything. And so I come to this church. I'm on staff. And what they said is we're going we're gonna to put money in, but all the money goes toward a mission. And I was like, can I be the, can I be the mission? Um, so we had this tournament. And it's so much fun, man. It was like everyone in the church. I didn't know. How, I, but I didn't know how to play poker. And so I'm sitting with what I thought was my friend, 
and you put money in. I think it was like $5, right? And then you could buy back in, you could get back in the game of poker for $2. So if you go out, you get back in. So my friend tells me, he says, uh, hey, dude, you, you should go all in. I was like, Psh, I'll watch it on TV, sure. Go all in. And if I didn't lose the first hand. So I go and scrounge quarters out of my car and the sticky ones even and give them $2. And so here we are. I'm, I'm back in. Now I'm playing a little conservative poker. I have no idea how to play poker then. And so to say I'm playing conservative just means I'm just like folding every time. Like I'm, I'm out. And, and so it came time to where all I had was the few left to go all in. And so, well, this is the end for me. I go all in and I won. And I didn't even know how I won, but I did. And so I got, you know, double those chips. And I'm like, you know what, there's, there's like 20 people in here. I'm not going to win. So the next one comes, and I go all in. I don't even know what cards I'm looking at. They're flipping cards, talking about flopping rivers and all this stuff. And I don't even know. They keep calling me blind, and I'm, I'm, this isn't cool. So I go all in, and I, hot dog, I won again. And I get all these chips, and I'm like, dude, this is great. So I let it go a little bit, and I'm trying not to show I don't even know what a poker face is. So I'm trying not to show how excited I am that I've won three hands. So the trash-talking Roger comes out of me. And I said, don't anybody look at their cards. I'm all in. I lost that one. I didn't get those back. Here's why I tell you this story. You know, the, the reason that we can go all in, and the reason I went all in and all in and all in and all in, is because I kept winning. And every time I went all in and, and those chips came back, it gave me more and more confidence that I could do it again. You know, we have even more confidence in God who, who gives us and shows us his promises. He fulfills them every time. And we saw it today as he fulfilled it through the Old Testament and his, in Jesus. Can't tell me tell you how many times me and my wife have been down to our last 10 bucks and don't know how we're gonna get it, and somehow the IRS misfiled our taxes and we got a check for five hundred dollars in the mailbox. And it's like I could go all in on that. You you could tell stories. There are families in here who could tell stories of years and years of trying to be pregnant, of losing children. And then they have a baby to hold. And one day they'll be reunited with their entire family in heaven. But in that moment, you can say, man, I, I could go all in on this. Thank you, Lord. Some of you can tell stories about a marriage that was going nowhere but has turned completely 180. And now you can't picture it any other way. And you say, man, I... I you know, I could go all in on this. You tell stories of miracles that have happened in your health or someone in your families, and you say, I could go in all in on this. The reason that we can continue to go all in and all in and all in and all in every time is not because of how good our hands are. It's because we have nothing left. We have nothing else. And so we're all in, and every time the cards change. And Jesus says, 
you win. And their cards, <laughs> they lose. Would you go all in? At the minimum, go all in on God. It's the safest bet you got. Let's pray together. God, your, your faithfulness is why we sing. We trust you. And, and that's why we pray. We, we believe in you. We, we, we believe that you are who you say you are. And God, that's, that's why we're here. Forgive us, God, when we're not all in. When we decided to be halfway in, halfway out. But God, my, my, my dream and my, my, my fire for my own life is that, that, that I will attack the gates of hell with, with a reckless abandon. That we, will, we as a church will, will bang on the gates and, and knock down the walls and, and Satan will be trembling in his in his boots because he knows that your church is not retreating, God, but we are, God, we are on the attack. We are, we are loving like crazy. We are giving of ourselves. We are sacrificing for others the way you did for us, and the gates of hell will be torn down because of the dark horse you've put in Jacksonville. Father, stir up something inside these walls. Stir up something inside our teens to lead a revival. Start up something in, in, in our men and our fathers and in our husbands to, to lead a movement of love and of discipline and, and start a movement in our mothers and in our wives to, to love passionately and, and lead radically. God, stir something up, not because of us, but because of the foundation of Jesus on which the church is built. And God, we can hear the walls of hell fall. May it be in Jacksonville as it is in heaven. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here at the end of our services, we take communion together. And really it centers us on why we do all of this. After service... Uh, uh, Sasha can come out and give us all our instructions, but, but right now, let, let's not think about any of that. We're just going to have, we're just going to take communion together. And it's an opportunity that the cracker represents Jesus' body and, and the cup represents Jesus' blood and the sacrifice that makes all of this possible. And so um, we're going to ask you to get up and, and bring the cracker and cup back to your table or back to your seat. And if this makes you uncomfortable, Please just relax. We don't want to force this on anybody. If you're not a Christ follower and, and, and you're like, man, I'm not in on this, that's all right. You're in a safe place, and we want you to hang out and eat chili with us. Um, but, but maybe this is a chance for you, for you to just sit and, and think about this Jesus. But for us as Christ followers, man, this is a recentering of who we are. A moment to begin each week on who Jesus is and who we are not and say, I'm all in on this.
in this moment, we're going to ask you to pray. And, and we got members of our prayer team in the back that'd love to pray with you and hear your story. There are multiple ways that you can submit a prayer request, but we want to pray with you and for you. We want to fight with you. We want to attack the gates of hell on your behalf. Um, but, but right now in this moment, maybe it's just an opportunity for you to pray or to pray with your spouse or maybe you need to get some things off your chest with the Lord or, or maybe you just want to listen. Say, God, just say to me what, whatever it is you, you need to speak. I want to be all in. So we're going to ask you to make a decision. Would, would you, the third thing we're going to ask you to is make, make a decision. Would you make a decision right now? There's probably something in your life that you're like, dude, I, I need to be all in on that. I, I'm not all in. And maybe it's a calling. Maybe God's asking you to start a new church or to play in a worship band or, or to serve in the village. And you say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in on that. Maybe it's your marriage. Or maybe it's Jesus for the very first time. And we want to walk through that with you. But in this moment, make the decision. And, and after service, everything's going to be kind of moving around. And, but just find me. I'll hang out right here in the middle. And, and I'd love to talk to you. We can go uh, stand in a hallway or, or right up here. And I'd love to hear your story. Um. And this is probably some of the most important moments for me uh, and, and for our church right here. For communion, for, for praying, and making a commitment to the Lord. So let's do that now. If you've done this with us at Restore Church, uh, would you lead the way so our guests can watch you and kind of follow you? Let's, let's do that now.